0: The Tigers want to play finals. The Hawks want to wreck a couple of seasons on the run home. But it is going to be a huge day on Saturday at 1.45 Australian Eastern Standard Time as the Hawks look for their sixth win of 2023. This is the opposition analysis segment we'll show. As a part of the Talking Hawks podcast, you one stop shop Hawthorne Audio content connecting Hawthorne fans from all around the globe, not just to each other, but to the club itself. My name is Daz. I've got Liam alongside me. Great man. On a night where we've got the Ashes and the Women's World Cup, there's plenty happening, but we've got a team in the yellow and black to talk about tonight, which
1: I'm looking forward to. How are you? I'm going well. I was going better 20 minutes ago when Sam Kerr didn't have a calf injury, but <laughs> yeah, yeah really came to talk some footy with you tonight before going and uh, watching the Matildas.
0: Yeah, look, absolutely, and in the form that we're in, mate, at the moment, Australia will be bowled out in the first two balls, and Zach Crawley will make 140, and they'll think he's God's gift to cricket, and it'll all be down the toilet. So that could either age really badly or really well. But anyway, we talk about the Tigers tonight. They are currently sitting 11th on the ladder. They're 8-9 and nine, with a gluttony of other teams, as showing by their percentage of pretty much 100, only 0.2 off getting to that point. Are they one game in percentage or fifth? Now, that is a considerable percentage to catch up to. The Cats is essentially two games worth. But they are a game, but have a worse percentage than 14th place, which is Sydney at the moment, as is the evenness of the competition. Mate, currently 5-2 and two under Andrew McQualter after the Bombers and Sammy Durham ended Damian Hardwick's ten uh, tenure, I should say. The first thing that I want to ask you before we actually get into the team, this caretaker coach taking over team's thing. Are you a fan of it? Like on the on the spectrum of Ray Shaw to Paul Ruse, where do you think McQualter sits and are you a fan of it in general?
1: I think it's I think it's correlation rather than causation. I'd love to delve into the deeper dive, you know, who they've played tonight, but I think I think the idea of an interim coach is often a bit overrated. The idea that AFL AFL footballers and professional athletes don't go out there trying to win every week to the best of their ability, is frankly insulting to all of their professional integrity. (laughs) So I think it's overrated, to be honest. I think there are some stats that point to it. I I think it's more correlation than causation, though. And look, the guys coached seven games. I don't want to judge him too much on his ability one way or the other yet.
0: And what they've been able to do, though, was bounce back from their losses. They won three in a row after the Port Adelaide loss. They've won two in a row now. Excuse me. After the Sydney loss. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, But they didn't beat them by a lot, and we didn't beat North by a lot either. We're going to talk about both of those things a bit later on, but I don't think McQualt is going to be the coach next year. I'd be surprised, but hey, we'll wait and see. Let's go to the squad, mate. We start with the Hawthorne outs, and they are Fergus Green, who hasn't pulled up after his uh, short turnaround, the short turnaround of the game, of course. Just a six-day break for the Hawks. And Lloyd Meek goes out. So once again, Ned Reeves is going to be the number one Ruckman for reasons I still don't understand. And coming into the side, thank goodness for some pace, some dash, and more importantly, some class by foot, because we didn't show a whole lot of it at times during the North Melbourne game. And that's the man affectionately known as Shammy here at Talking Hawks, Seamus Mitchell.
1: Great inclusion, and I thought we all agreed to outside of a bit of content never talk about last week's game again. It was one of the most it was one of the worst games of Australian rules football I've ever had the misfortune of sitting through.
0: Yeah, I don't know who the North player was that turned it over, but inspired Joey Montagna to just call it a poo off because it was an absolute stinker. And Dale Thomas's reply, of they need to open a roof to let the stench out, probably sums up that game better than I could. In a big way. And for the Tigers, Morris Rioli got subbed out last week and did not take it well at all. Just quietly. And he's been dropped and Ryan Mansell comes in. There's two things that I like about Ryan Mansell and one thing that I hate, and that's a big word. But the two things that I love is in watching him as a footy fan. This isn't necessarily as a Hawthorne fan. Is He's one of those guys that Richmond had during their premiership years. He's a centre-forward player who just gets involved in key moments, which I like. He's a nice set shot, which I like. The thing that I hate is actually not his fault. But Mr. and Mrs. Mansell out there looked at the term, looked at the name Ryan and decided to spell it incorrectly. R-H-Y-A-N is not how you spell Ryan. And it shouldn't upset me, but it does. But it's good to see him back.
1: Yeah. I do actually know one other athlete whose name Ryan is spelt that way. And I have a notorious dislike for that player. The former socceroo, Ryan Grant. And... If he ever plays for the Australian men's national team again, I think I will blow up because he well, is beyond useless.
0: Well, well, I'm, well, Mansell's not that, but it's it's just it's not okay, and I I think it's symptomatic of where we're at as a society, mate. So I, I'm agreeing with being a progressive for most things, but let's keep the name semi traditional, can we? Because that's just stupid. Anyway. Who would have thought anyone have Ryan Mansell taking up a full minute of this pod tonight on their bingo card? I'm not sure. But anyway, let's talk about the Tigers, mate. They're obviously the better side going at the moment, like we said, 8 and 9. And clearly a team that is still relying on that blueprint that bought them three flags, Circa Hawthorne, after 2015. Their youth, though, is going to carry them a long, long way. And hopefully the injection of guys like Cochin, Martin, Dylan Grimes down back here and Mitch Lewis is going to be a very interesting proposition, although I think they're going to put Tyler Young uh, on Mitch for the majority of the game. I just stopped talking then and my brain stopped working. Tyler Young, I think, will go to Mitch Lewis the further he gets up the ground, but I like the way that Lewis might be able to take down Dylan Grimes, but what can you see, mate, in terms of Richmond knocking this over?
1: Uh, first of all, did they lose the game they drew to Carlton? Because uh, 8-8-1 is what's in front of me. But um, they are they are a good team. I haven't watched copious amounts of them playing because they've had clashing games with us. There have been various other things I've had going on. But at the end of the day, this is still the nucleus of a team that won three flags in four years. They may be older. They may have lost one of their most important players in Cheap Shot Tom. They may have <laughs> lost Toby Nankivis. So... Our players can feel a lot safer looking behind them without Lynch and Nancurvis playing, knowing they're not going to get hit from behind. Mm. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough game. I think they're a good side. They're 15th in clearance differential, which is interesting, although they're a better stoppage clearance team than us. they, They might actually be looking to exploit us outside of the center bounce. And for as good as we've been at center bounces, I think we haven't converted them into scores all that well outside of a couple of games. So, that's gonna have we're gonna talk about this kind of thing a bit later, but that's gonna we're gonna to have to uptick in that area to beat yeah, Richmond because you. this is still the nucleus of a premier of a triple premiership team. And although I think I don't see them as a contender, they're also a team that I refuse to count out until they're out.
0: Yeah, until it's mathematically impossible, I'm with you. And their ability to use guys like either Shea Bolton if he's gonna be on the outside of the contest, Jaden Short as that sweeper, Dan Rioli's come up to some defensive stoppages as well. I'll talk about him a little bit later but I completely agree with you I think that we're definitely against it I think the I've got a bet with my boss who's a Richmond supporter so shout out to John if he's listening but I've taken the Hawks at the line so my prediction here won't be any further than 18 points because let's face it mate of the list of people you don't want to spend any kind of money on I feel like your boss would be pretty high on that list because they're the ones that are meant to pay you giving the money back doesn't exactly sound like a great plan so come on Hawkers let's keep this close but Where the Tigers, I think, worry me, mate, is something that our defenders don't really hold up that well, and that is pressure. Pressure in the forward half did win Richmond their flags. I know that wasn't the only extenuating circumstances, and they've replaced guys like Butler and Higgins, you know, with guys like Ryan Mansell, Judson, Clark. These guys that have come in. Uh, Hugo Smith's going to be the sub. Highly likely coming on as a wingman, which reminds me a little bit of us making Harry Morrison the sub, except that Hugo's got some speed and would fit in really nicely at Hawthorne with that mullet just quietly. It's a beautiful mullet, and he's a beautiful man. But where I genuinely think we're going to fall over, mate, is how are the likes of Joshy Weddle, Seamus Mitchell, Scrimmer, these guys, if they've only got one step to operate in, I don't think we've got the ability to escape from our back half well enough, and that is a big fear of mine.
1: Yeah, I think that's where James Sicily is going to be really important for us. Is because he has his right boot can clear lines. Jack Scrimshaw is a very accurate kick and he's a very good kick, but he's not, he doesn't have that 60 meter bomb that James Sisley does. He can kick it in an above average distance, Jack Scrimshaw, but he is not that person who's going to launch a bomb the way Sisley or even Hardwick Mm. are going to. So, to be honest, with a step and a half of space, I would back Weddle especially because I think he's a little bit more explosive off the mark just that slightly bigger frame, you know, force equals mass times acceleration. He's able to get a bit more mass to get more force. But, you know, so I actually would back him with a step and a half to burst through because, again, he's got that power behind him. But, yeah, I think the back line will be an interesting one, how we deal with their pressure, how all in this are, and how much time we're able to spend with the ball stopped, like how much time we're able to mark the football as opposed to having to run it. And that's going to be... An interesting one Because if we're able to mark the football a lot, then we're going to not be as subjected to their forward pressure because they're... I mean, unless they want to give away 50-metre penalties, then by all means, but... Mm. Yeah, I think how we, how we play, with, especially with Sicily and Scrimshaw, I think is going to be really important.
0: And their ability for their midfielders to kick goals as well, and the two that are leading that charge is... Richmond really needed a circuit breaker in that win against Sydney. I was there that night and it came in the form of Jack Graham, who's a guy who's not going to leap off the page for anyone that's not watching a lot of Richmond footy and I wouldn't blame you for that. Even during their premiership years, they were not fun to watch against your team because A, they were so good and B, it wasn't a skill-based, it was system-based, which is still a fantastic way to win flags. They won three, they weren't in a row, so sucked in, but they did win three. Credit where credit is due, absolutely. But Jack Graham is not a guy who... I think, leaps off the page. And he kicked both the goals that put Sydney away. On the weekend, Dusty kicked the sealer. And like I said in the live stream, I still haven't forgiven him for that 18 qualifying final where I've even gone back and watched that game and I still think he kicked it 55 to himself. Still not sure how that's possible, but he did it. He was that. He was covering the ground that much and taking the PI55 that badly. I'm still convinced that he managed to do that. And then they've got Timmy T. Tim Taranto, who quite frankly, is the best 151st ranked player in the competition. I don't think we've seen a better one. I don't think we ever will. And I think Kane needs to put his hand up and admit he probably got that wrong because Timmy T is probably top 10 in the Brownlow at this point. And the reason why is he is effectively a better version of Jimmy Warple. They both play the game in incredibly similar ways. They're the first first touch players. So they usually touch the ball first in a stoppage. They're both not great kicks because that's not their role. But where Timmy T, I think, outshines Warple a little bit is, A, his durability, so his ability to play the same amount of game throughout a consistent four quarters. And the second thing he's been able to do is hit the scoreboard, which he was doing at the Giants a little bit. He wasn't doing it so much with the Tigers. He'll have, you know, three or four weeks where he hasn't kicked a goal and then he'll pop up and kick two or three or something like that. Uh, which is nice for Supercoach, but it won't be nice for the Hawks. But seeing those two go head-to-head is something I'm looking forward to.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a good battle. Um, Taranto is a little bigger, but it's not not like a Connor Nash or a Will Day kind of bigger. Like, mm. he's not he's a, bit, a bit bigger than Walpole as well, which I, I do think that those extra couple of centimeters help him a bit. But yeah, he you're right. He finds the football like he's bought his own half the time. Uh, he can hit the scoreboard in a big way. You know, there's a reason a lot of fantasy sides have him as a forward because he can actually rotate there. And it's that's the other thing that he has over Warple. And that's almost the thing I had to think that he's – that's the biggest gap between him and Warple, is that ability to be actually a competent 30% forward. You know, there's a reason James Warple only played 70% time on ground last week. And it's not because, you know, the coach didn't trust him. It's because you can't play in about 65 70% of a game in a modern AFL midfield and rather than rotating forward, he rotated off the ground. You know, Jai Newcombe can actually rotate forward quite well. Actually, my, my brother, one of my brothers absolutely loves seeing John Newcombe winding up as a half forward because he can actually play the role. Hmm. James Warple, who can only really kick for goal, mind you, um, is not that reliable as a forward. So he would go off the ground instead.
0: Yeah, J- Jai is second for the Hawks in goals kicked in fourth quarters this year. He's a midfielder. Bond, Punky. What? <laughs> it's just crazy. Oh, but we love joy. We love the uh, We love the great man. Uh, what about some danger players, mate? Who We've talked about Taranto a little bit. We've talked about some other players a little bit, but who's someone that you might be looking
1: at that you worry could take the game away from us? I'm not going to talk about Shea Bolton. I think that's too obvious. We know how good he is. Mm. I'm going to talk about Jacob Hopper. And you might think, why are you talking about clearly the second best midfielder they picked up just from the Giants in the last off season. (laughs) But you know, you look at him, he averages 0.9 goal assists per game, which is elite. He ranks above average for for meters gained with 373 per game. But this is where I kind of look at him. He averages only about 23 meters gained per game, less than Tim Taranto Hmm. from eight less disposals. So he averages nearly, he averages about three and a half more meters gained per disposal. He averages 5.2 score involvements. He goes about 10% more efficiently. Then Taranto, and by that I mean 70 to 60. I don't mean 60 to 66, which is actually a 10% increase, but, you know, maths will come up in another forum, I'm sure. Yeah, he gets himself 40, takes marks inside 50. He drives the ball inside 50. 22% of his disposals are inside 50s. So Jacob Hopper, put it this way, I would rather Tim Taranto get 30 than Jacob Hopper get 25. I'm not saying Tim Taranto doesn't impact you when he has the football because he does in a big way. Those players are important because they feed others. But if Jacob Hopper is getting 25, 28 touches, he's hurting you in a big way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That 22% number stands out to me in a huge way. And considering they're not going to have Lynch, which we've spoken about, they're going to have re-roll and spare parts. I mean, we even saw Nick Vlosten play forward in the West Coast game a little bit, and even more so in the uh, Sydney game. Kicked a goal pretty close to three-quarter time that helped shift the momentum in the game. Uh, I just had to pick an outside player uh, for the Tigers, I think, and I've gone with Daniel Rioli here. Jaden Short can absolutely put himself in the conversation for this title, but the Dan man, who I reckon about six rounds into the season, was a lock for All-Australian. I don't think he's going to make it now with guys like Quaynor, Jack Sinclair, whether they want to put him back. Our own James Sicily might have been in contention if he wasn't winning free kicks for holding the ball. Uh, I've probably missed someone pretty obvious there. Tom Stewart would be another guy in contention as well. But averaging 23 touches and 414 metres gained is Daniel Rioli. But the majority of his metres are obviously coming in the back half, mate. And what that means is that he is able to get Richmond out of trouble. And effectively, like we kind of want Blake Hardwick to do a little bit, can use his foot skills and his footy IQ To set up offensive plays. Richmond have been better this year than previous years in scoring from their back half. All the more remarkable without the quality of players up forward, which we've spoken about. And if they're not going to be a good centre clearance team, which we've spoken about, that they're not going to, the ball is going to be down there a bit. He's going to take their kickouts. He's going to take territory. And it might be where I'm sending Finn McGuinness and let our teammates, uh, sorry, let our midfielders go to town. Timmy was down at uh, at training this week because that's how he's uh, using his long service leave the great man. I don't judge, but I'm sure that would be on my top 10 list of things to do. But we love what Timmy brings to the table. Reckons Finn was training as a forward this week, which means he's probably going to a defender. And if I'm going to Rioli or short, I'm probably going to take Rioli as the men do uh, stop, which is going to be interesting if we kick as many behinds in the first half as we did last week and just give him 13 free possessions.
1: Yep, Finn meet Dan, Dan meet Finn.
0: Yep. It's just going to be as simple as that, I reckon. It's going to be extraordinary. Oh, mate. Richmond, 0-9, we are against them since a certain someone and I got together. Holy crap. We just need to win. Seriously, there are too many Richmond people in my life that are very happy with the fact we're not going that well at the
1: moment and it needs to stop. Anyway. You voluntarily brought some of them in, mate. I'm not sure how sympathetic I'm going to be towards you.
0: Uh, I respect that. I respect that in a big way. Let's talk about the Hawks though, mate. Enough about the Tigers for a bit. Uh, what do you think the Hawks need to improve on? What do you think they need to do in order for us to get a Saturday victory, which will set us up for a beautiful weekend as hopefully the Aussies get the Ashes back. Well, retain them, I should say. You have Liam on the podcast,
1: so naturally the Rucks are going to come mention. Oh,
0: that's oh, I'm nearly falling off me chair. Well, we've um, only got one this week, so
1: over to you, Ned. Yeah. Yep, hopefully he can actually stand up. I, I did think he was the better of the two Rucks last week. Neither impressed that much. I just thought basically Ned's actual Ruck craft really edged. He did have a few hit-outs that I was very impressed by. And especially what impressed me the most about Ned's Ruck work specifically is his ability to use both hands. A lot of Rucks don't do that. And mm. probably how you can tell someone's played the Ruck position when they're judging how well a Ruck uses both hands. But... <laughs> The fact that he goes up at a center bounce with both his left and right hand is something I'm really impressed by. Mm. But, you know, again, they were both pretty similar around the ground last week. And if if you're similar around the ground to Ned as the ruck, you're not going to be picked ahead of him because he is the better ruck and does have a unique size asset. But the reality is he's playing a pair of backups this week and he needs to exploit that. Ivan Soldo is a good player, but the reality is also the Tigers sent people around to pack his bags for him to try and ship him up to the Giants last year and he just didn't want to go. Yeah. So he has to exploit that. He couldn't against Carlton, and I'm not going to go off the way I did on the Carlton six points. If you want to hear perhaps the most angry five minutes talking about Rux you're ever going to hear in your life, go back and listen to that episode. But yeah, we ha- that's where it has to start. We are the better center clearance team. So we have to be able to make the most of them in a in a better way. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to actually be able to have a meaningful win in the ruck and exploit an, an advantage size-wise and craft-wise.
0: Yeah, I agree. But the question is, when you talk about his facing backups, uh, I think Ivan Soldo starts for more teams around the league that's not his own than Ned does, in all honesty. Probably. And there's not too many that don't have a serviceable Ruckman, you know, uh, you know, from your Sam Drapers maybe who could be something but still hasn't shown enough. You know, i have got the two big Ruckman, the same as Melbourne, and, and we don't need to talk about those. But if you look at a club that really need a Ruckman site, so like Port, for example, you know, would they rather have Ivan Soldo or Ned Reeves? I think they're going after Soldo personally, because he offers more around the ground. Because as it turns out, head out to advantage doesn't mean a whole lot because 50% of the time, the opposition's going to have the ball and you kind of need to provide something. Hello, Darcy Cameron and Jeremy Finlayson as the starting ruckman for the two best teams in the competition who aren't good at head out to advantage percentage. Might be something in that,
1: but anyway. Yeah. Well, if Ned could mark the football, he'd, if Ned could Reeves could mark the football at an average rate for rucks, he'd be a top five ruck in the competition. Be handy. Be very But handy. his marking numbers are abominable. And I'm kind of in the timid camp, but is his shoulder still weighing on his mind a bit or impacting his preparation? I think next year will be a better judge of that. But I, he was really impressive last year. Mm. But. How,
0: many, how many more games this year can we give him to keep that number one ruck spot? If, is it this week? If it's not Soldo and Samson Ryan that he can get on top of, we've just got to swap them and see what Lloyd Meek does as our number one? Yeah, I agree.
1: And to be honest, I'm always in the camp of, Ned, go dominate Box Hill for a month. Just get some Mm. confidence back in your body, in your game, and we'll bring you back.
0: Yeah, look, if Melbourne can play Grundy as a permanent forward, then there's no excuse, in my opinion. But anyway, now it looks like we're both going down a Richmond path here, mate, I don't want to make any assumptions, but it's been a a cautiously optimistic sort of opposition analysis tonight, which I've appreciated. Uh, Where are you heading with your tip and your margin first, and then we'll get to the best on ground?
1: Richmond, 20
0: points. Oh, that would that would cost me a slab by two points. So that's not good. Uh, Richmond by eight. And that'll be firmly because they kick in accurately. But I've got a sick feeling in the bottom of my stomach that uh, I'll, I'll be buying some beverages at, uh, at halftime. And that doesn't sit well with me at all. All right, mate, the five stars. Now, I don't mean to blow anyone's horn here, mate. And our heads are already significantly <laughs> sized, mine especially. But we've been very good at this. We've been very good at picking the BOGs here. We're, we're picking two of the top three consistently, and it's why the people keep coming back to listen to us. Who have you got for your five stars this week? And if you still mind, because we haven't prepared this, uh, I might have to reach through my screen and just give you a smack up there in Canberra. So what, who have you got? I'm going oh, slightly door. obscure. Oh, you are? Okay, excellent. I'm, I feel a bit better. Who is it?
1: I'm going a man who's played 141 games and received zero Bramley votes, Blake Hardwick that's extraordinary that he's never
0: received a Brownlow vote well that's just that's an indictment i know defenders don't get love but that's yeah that's not okay come on dimmer you're better than that uh i'm going the the skipper it has to be sis for mine in this one he's gonna bounce back after getting tagged by eddie ford he's gonna have 30 he's gonna take nearly double digit marks unless it rains because i haven't checked the weather forecast but I think he's going to dominate the great man. But I'm not sure if the Hawks are going to go over the line. But let me tell you, mate, I'll, I will do a Daisy Thomas. And for every media thing we do this week, I'm going to be in full Hawthorne gear if we get across the line. If you haven't checked out how Daisy Thomas entered the midweek rub on YouTube, go and check it out because they gave him unfiltered time because he picked uh, Port Adelaide to beat Carlton. No way the Blues could win, he said. And then he realized his old training tops didn't fit him. So you have to go to the AFL store and buy a new one. It's very funny. Go and check it out. This has been the Opposition Analysis podcast. Follow the podcast wherever your or however your podcast providing platform is asking you to subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Liam, hope you have a fantastic weekend, mate. Hope the uh, Matildas get off to a great start. Hope the Aussies can bring the urn home. But most importantly, we hope the Hawks can get over the line. We will see you for six points on Monday. Don't worry. Sunday morning, Smithy Levy's review out as well and let me tell you that top five leaderboard is heating up have a good one guys and as always